And when he came near, he beheld the city and wept over it. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. This Gospel reading that we just listened to for the tenth Sunday after Trinity must surely, surely move our hearts. We recall that our blessed Lord has just entered the holy city of Jerusalem in triumph with the excited crowds welcoming him with words of praise and hope. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And yet, we know that he rides into Jerusalem to finish the work that was given him by the Father of all. Jerusalem was to be the place where Christ is to be lifted up upon the holy and life-giving cross to give his life for the sins of the world and to rise again from the tomb as the ever-living Savior of all. But from the world's point of view, I suppose that the Lord Jesus should have been overjoyed with the reception that he received from the crowds that day. Surely his heart would be overflowing with thanksgiving to those who joined him as he rode in humility into the great city of Jerusalem. But the Gospel records that his reaction is quite the contrary. Far from gladness of heart, he weeps, he weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps over their blindness of heart, over their inner deafness to his call to life and salvation. He weeps because he knows what the eventual cost of their hardness of heart will be the utter destruction of their beautiful city and the temple and the suffering and death of its inhabitants. How his sacred heart must have ached for them. How full of sorrow he must have been to know that Jerusalem and its inhabitants were headed for disaster. Well, dear friends, there is a strong message here for you and I as well, isn't there? We need to see that the same tears that the Lord shed for Jerusalem and its inhabitants so many years ago are the same ones that he sheds today as he sees us and our world and our culture so often deaf deaf to his call of love and new life. Our dearest Lord still must carry a heart of sadness as he sees how very often we have separated ourselves from his blessed influence through our sins and our blindness of heart. These are very real words of warning in today's Gospel. And they apply to us and to our culture and to the church that bears his 
blessed name. In the last couple of weeks, through Father's preaching, we have been thinking of the stark contrast between the secular world in which we live and the spiritual realities that have been revealed to us in Holy Scripture and the teaching of the Church. We have been reminded powerfully that the end of a godless culture is death, a death to all that is truly good and true and eternal. We have been brought face to face with the dangers that surround us on every side. Of all of the things that can so easily undermine us and can undermine our confidence in the God who cherishes each one of us as his beloved children. But here is the thing, dear friends. We must stand firm. We must not allow ourselves to be overwhelmed with the forces both within us and outside of us that seem so powerful. Things that we see in our world or in ourselves that would make us doubt the love of God for us and his readiness to help. We need to lift our hearts and our minds to the true things of our life. We need to turn away, dear friends, from the beguiling things of the world and plant ourselves by God's grace firmly upon the promise of life and joy that is found in the cross of Christ, in the cross of Christ and nowhere else. We need to remind ourselves time and time again that this world is passing away, but that the things of God abide forever. In other words, you and I need to know the things which belong unto our peace, the things that will bring lasting life and purpose to us. And so, each and every one of us needs to plunge ever more deeply into the infinite ocean of the grace and mercy of God so that we might find ourselves enclosed in the will of him who is our joy and our crown. St. Luke records that our blessed Lord Jesus went into the temple into the temple in the holy city of Jerusalem to perform an act of cleansing and renewal. He didn't go there on a sightseeing trip. He didn't go there to congratulate the priests. Rather, he came to cast out, to cast out those who had used that sacred place for personal gain and advantage. And so Christ calls those in the temple to return, to return to the true use of the temple as a place of prayer and worship, wonder and praise. And there is, I think, a wonderful lesson for us in this work of our Lord. We also, dear friends, stand in need, don't we? We stand in need of the purifying fire of the divine love to enter into our distracted minds and hearts 
and continually renew and sanctify our loves and our passions, our thoughts and our words and our deeds. We need to invite God the Holy Ghost to cast out of our souls and minds whatever is not pleasing to our dear Lord, so that we might become a worthy habitation for Christ. We must invite him in, invite him in to burn up the dross of our sins by the heavenly flame of his presence, so that we might reflect the light and love of Christ always and everywhere. And so here is where the gifts of the Spirit of God do their work, which were spoken of in the epistle this morning. As we submit ourselves completely to him, he pours into our hearts those spiritual gifts that we particularly stand in need of. And whatever spiritual gift we might have received, we are to use it not only for our own growth in grace, but to bring blessing and benefit to the church as well. We share in these gifts so that the whole church will be formed ever more perfectly into the body of Christ. This is a wonderful thought, isn't it, dear friends, that each of us contributes in some way to the upbuilding and strengthening of all, and that every Christian believer, including you and I, have a necessary role to play in the eternal purposes of God. And so, friends, as we consider the life-changing work of the Spirit in us, that cleansing and renewing, that purifying, we need to always remember that the foundation of all of this lies in the strength of Almighty God, first of all. Without Him, without Him, our feeble graspings after holiness will bear nothing but disappointment and failure. But with His blessed presence in our lives, we can know that as we let Him have control, an abundant harvest of spiritual fruit will come forth from our hearts. Dear friends, how blessed a thing it is to profess the sacred name of Christ our Lord. How generous is our Lord's love for us that he would call us as weak and feeble as we are to his side, to his heart, to his life. Yet, Dear friends, it is true. We are his people, his flock, and his joy. May each of us establish a true fear and love of him in our hearts. And may our greatest longing be to see his will done, his will done in our lives, in our culture, in our nation, in our church, and in our world. 
So this is a day of visitation for each and every one of us. This is a day for us to really know the things that belong to our peace. This is a day for us to humble ourselves under the mighty yet merciful hand of God and seek his grace to live for him and for each other in trust and confidence in his eternal love and compassion for each and every one of us and for all. May this be our prayer and our longing and our joy. Glory be to God for all things. Amen.